Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. No one is born hating another person. Hating another person because of the color of their skin. Or their background. Or their religion. If people can learn to hate. They can be taught to love. They can be taught to love. For love. For love comes more naturally. Love comes more naturally to the human heart. Than its opposite. Than its opposite. Join the fight against hate and bigotry. Visit splcenter.org. And learn more about their work. Yeah, send your money to SPLC, who label every Christian group a hate group, or any white people a hate group, and they're a hate group. Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 3rd of September, year of our Lord, 2017. Going to do a short show today, because it is a holiday weekend. Going to do our normal intro, and then we're going to go straight into a section on the Antifa, which is more of a few articles, and I want you to hear 30 minutes of audio that I found from Antifa. It shows... Two things, un-American background, un-American goals, cool kid fad. That's how I'll sum it up. So uh, right right off the bat, I want to make sure we understand that Charlie Hebdo did an article making fun of Texans. We're going to have two of them from the media, one instantly deleted by Politico, another one that just came out um, yesterday. But in the case of these, I'm just going to read one tweet from conservatives. I want you to understand the difference between conservatives and liberals. Liberals, this would have been the end of days if this is about Chicago or something like that. This is what Michelle Catlin said. You know why I love this picture of Charlie Hebdo? Because nobody will murder them over it. That is why Western culture is superior to Islam. Don't have to worry about being murdered over such slander. And I think that sums up the difference in our world right now. You say something liberals don't like, you get punched in the face. You say something about conservatives, and conservatives go, you know what? It's called free speech. Look into it. Let's close the loop. It is the president's role at this point to say there will be stuff, there will be money there, there will be aid there, and the president will ask Congress for that. That's that's a routine thing. But this has been a a sticking point for Congress in the past, that everybody has um, this commitment to do something, but then it gets mired in the traditional Republican internal debate of do we do emergency funding or do we offset emergency funding to make sure we don't upset the budget. What might be different this time is that it's Texas, and Texas has a large Republican delegation. Many of them have voted against doing emergency funding in the past, but may vote for it right now because it's in their backyard. It's always a little different when it's you, right? I mean, Cruz and Cornyn and Ryan were tough 
on the Sandy financing. Let's see how Cruz is now when it's his home state that he has to deliver for. Uh, the vast majority of House and Senate Republicans, including most of the leaders from Texas, voted against the Sandy aid, arguing that it was filled with extraneous uh, spending, uh, which has been, I think, largely uh, debunked and demanding offsetting budget cuts for any new aid. Well, in the wake of a natural disaster like this, where the federal government is leading the effort, is Trump really going to stick to a promise to shut down the government? And then finally, I think it's worth pointing out, you know, everyone is saying this is the storm of the century, the storm, 500-year storm. Twelve years ago was Katrina. We've had now three storms in 12 years that were as bad as this. And a lot of Democrats will be saying, you know, climate change is actually, um, this is the kind of flooding you would predict based on the, the climate change model. So that's another debate the for, the, debate for the weeks ahead that, that the two parties will certainly engage in. Absolutely. If you look at Houston in the last 15 years, it's one of the conversations that will happen. Why do we keep having the storm of the century? It's objectively clear that the president has not been focused only on Hurricane Harvey and the people who we now know have died in the storm. On Friday night, of course, we had the parting of Sheriff's Alpio. We had the transgender ban military brand um, coming up. We had, of course, Gorka quitting, and then he's been tweeting about book. He's been asking people to buy Sheriff Clark's book. He's been tweeting about Claire McCas about Claire McCaskill and going to go visit Missouri. He's been doing all this other stuff. Where when people, including some of his, the people that I'm sure have voted for him, are now facing what is we, what we know is historic flooding in Houston. So I think it's it's in some ways we're seeing a president that cannot focus on a national disaster. And I should say I just um, was reporting in Galveston, Texas, and my story was focused on climate change and on the idea that middle class and poor people would be some of the first people hurt by climate change. And there's this idea that these storms, these hurricanes are getting worse and worse, scientists say, and that working class and poor people, poor people that voted for Donald Trump, that are excited about his presidency, that thought his that thought his presidency was going to improve their lives, that these are the same people can't afford to get in their car and drive four, five, four or five hours or can't afford a hotel room um, to try to escape these floods. So that's how you find people that are stuck in their homes and are now possibly hurt by the storm. So I think what we're seeing is that people are, are really looking for a president that is focused on them, focused on their well-being. So and we'll see in this press, Harvey, press conference that's going to come whether or not he's going to change his tune and whether or not he's going to sound more... Hurricane Harvey... The president has been going around. I don't know if you've heard. He said this is the biggest disaster. Some are saying the greatest, the biggest disaster of all time. I struggle with Donald Trump. Do you think he's proud of having it be like the biggest disaster? <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know with him. I don't know if yeah. he's bragging about the scale of it. I don't know if this is something. What do you make of how he speaks about the hurricane? No, the way he speaks about everything. I mean, he, he sees everything in terms of ratings and crowd size, right. right? So for him, you know, the accomplishment he sees in Harvey is that it's the biggest during the era of Donald Trump. Right. And so there's something really disturbing just about the way that he talks about it. He said something to the effect of, you know, Harvey's a really nice name, but, you know, the storm, not nice. Not nice. <laughs> and no kidding, it's a hurricane. <laughs> you know, I don't think that he understands the human scale of misery. I don't think that he can connect with the sort of compassion that you normally have when you see a disaster like this. The biggest test yet for President Trump, certainly of a natural disaster of this making. He used a variety of adjectives today when he was uh, in uh, South uh, in Texas earlier this afternoon. He called it epic. He called it historic. He called the response terrific. So he is praising the local response here. This is what he had to said earlier, say earlier this afternoon in Corpus Christi. You are special. We're here to take care. It's going well. Thank you for coming out. We're going to get you back and operating immediately. Thank you, everybody. What a crowd. What a turnout.
So, Brianna, at least that clip there and earlier uh, remarks that he made almost sounded as though he was uh, coming to a small campaign rally. And that, of course, is not what he is here in Texas for. He has had a, a variety of serious meetings with the governor of Texas. He'll be arriving here at the State Emergency Command Center behind me uh, just within the next uh, several minutes or so. He's also traveling with uh, the two Republican senators, a few members of his cabinet also on board. But, Brianna, one thing I am struck by here, seeing all the stories of emotion, all the stories of loss, of devastation still unfolding. We do not know the extent of the damage here. Very little in terms of empathy from this president, very little in terms of emotion or talking directly to the people of Texas. He's been talking about the businesses, talking about the response and his crowd. But certainly this is a test, a new moment for this president. But how he'll ultimately be judged, Brianna, as every president is in a disaster like this, is not on today, is on the response and the recovery and how Texas rebuilds if they get federal funds, etc., months, perhaps even years from now. Brianna. That is right. And so many people in need as we look at these pictures. Jeff Zeleny is going to stand by for us as we do await President Trump going to this emergency operations center. We hope to get more information about how things are going there in Texas. I want to go now to Houston, which is where more than 3,500 people have been rescued. And yeah, the media, and it doesn't matter what he does. It, it just doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what Melania wears. It is nothing but Basically, we want to repeat push and blame the president and ruin him over this. Because Russia didn't work and faithless electors didn't work and everything doesn't work. And yes, he's not articulate. And yeah, I don't believe he feels anybody's... He's not Bill Clinton, folks. But of course, our media is always going to prepare everybody to the healer and chiefs of Clinton and Obama who say the right words but don't do the right actions. In this case, I think Trump's doing the right actions. I think over time will be proven that he did. But because he can't sit there and sing Amazing Grace, like the dear one, he's a piece of shit. One of the funny things I saw at the beginning is a monster truck saved the National Guard. I just want to make sure you understood. Redneck saved National Guard and pulled him out of water, which I thought was just fantastic. And I have to say that because the rest of this is just going to be fucking horrible. Which starts with Politico. Politico... Did a cartoon, tweeted it, deleted it. Angels sent by God, or actually Coast Guard sent by the government. Secede, don't tread on me, is the picture. It's a house, and it's in Texas. Buck Sexton, if you want to know what Politico thinks about the victims of Harvey, here is the cartoon they just tweeted, then deleted. Dana Loesch, love your hot take on Texas as people here lose everything or drown. Another one, when going gets tough, some pitch in and some like Worker, who was the actual artist, choose to make fun of a state religion where he sits on his ass. Hey, Politico, is this really how you see Texans? Kindly go screw yourself. Reagan Battalion checked. It's ugly and disgusting, and you should be ashamed of yourself, mocking people who lost everything. There are literally people getting rescued right now, drowning right now, floods, water rising right now. This is what you put out. But go ahead. Jerks. Yesterday, isn't Melania terrible for wearing stilettos to fly to Texas? Today, hold my beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a Houston reporter got on it. She's a lib, folks. This is infuriating, and Politico and worker should, workers should be ashamed. People are still drowning and being plucked from their roofs. 
Harris County went to Hillary in 2016. Not that it matters at all now. And I want to stop in this Twitter tirade to get a moment of truth. Here's the problem with progressives. In their zeal to bash Christians, Southerners, whatever, or as we are right now, everybody's a fucking confederate. Houston's a liberal town, you dickweeds. A liberal town. And the only people that want to secede right now is California. Their politicians have actually done freaking bills to secede. So this worker dick goes, it's actually very pro-Coast Guard. It doesn't take away from the heroic private individuals also doing so many rescues. Shelby Webb, the liberal reporter, I know you're a thousand miles away and it's fun and easy to think of Texans as crazy conservatives hell-bent on secession. He replies, everyone across country is rooting for Texas. Great to see all the heroic rescues of efforts by gov, military, and private individuals. She goes, but we're not and we're suffering. Your cartoon is a slap in the face to a group of people who are still reeling for unimaginable tragedy. You could have drawn one highlighting the heroics, but you didn't. You chose to kick help us while they're down. Do you know one in four Harris County residents are foreign-born? Do you know Houston is a huge city and not a hick town? He replied, don't know what that has to do with it. Despite differences, I wish you well. And yes, I'm rooting for Texas, which I've visited many times. She continues, I'll pass it along to my co-workers at the Houston Chronicle, some of whom were saved from the roofs, as you so beautifully illustrated. And no, you didn't. you never been here. Then get your nose out of your biz- our business and stop capitalizing on human suffering. You're obviously not rooting for Texas. So they deleted it, but then they doubled down. Harvey triggered spike in hazardous chemicals release. The next day, a plant exploded because the coolers couldn't shut it down. I actually heard on the media, it's Trump's fault. Shelby Webb tweeted Politico again. Are y'all going to apologize for the god-awful cartoon you tweeted or no? Somebody summed it up. Defended and yet deleted. Yeah, that's that's what they did. But th- that's not enough, because Atlanta Journal-Constitution the next day, FEMA save us on top of an anti-government militia building. Dana Loesch once again summed it up. Someone doesn't understand the voting demo in Houston, and it's also an insensitive jerk busy stereotyping instead of helping. And for that... All these cartoonists, because these aren't the only two, my friends. You're fucking assholes. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. He's an asshole. So while most of the media was blaming Trump, all the satire cartoonists were bashing Texans, there was a big push for abortion. Women's March, an important reminder for Labor Day, the fight for reproductive rights and the fight for workers' rights goes hand in hand. Join us in supporting Harvey survivors seeking an abortion. 
but can't fund it. That's the Lilith Fund. Momo, who I follow on Twitter, there's no occasion or event that doesn't call for promoting abortions, apparently. Wedding, included PP promotional material to your invites. Flag day, remind everybody that abortion is legal. Nothing brightens up a baby shower like Planned Parenthood balloons and crepe paper. Simultaneously, NARAL, in the wake of Harvey, Texans seeking abortions, fakes, clinic closers, canceled appointments, and displacement. Lilith Fund has created a fund that helps people impacted by Harvey donate here so we can travel them to another state so they can kill their baby. You fucking people are sick, man. I'm telling you, half the shit that's going down under Harvey happened over a liberal city, which, by the way, Houston is. It just happens to be in a red state. So somehow they get confused. You people would shit the bed, Fred. You'd shit the bed, Fred. You really would. So Matt Walsh hit the thing again. Woman cradle protected child. Man carried and both protected. This is how it ought to be despite what your gender studies professor says. We're going to use time as a positive source for Antifa. But this is an article they actually did. How the internet responded to that sexist Hurricane Harvey tweet. They called Matt Walsh's sexist. This is what people replied. I'm not going to read their fucking article. Can we not just appreciate a kind gesture from a gentleman without making a gender issue? So, oh, so let me say, let me say a man is hurt. Should I not protect him and carry him to safety because he's not how it ought to be? Amber Alexander. Or should we should just tell these women to stop saving the world? And they showed women protesting, which I don't know how they're saving the world and a couple of firefighters. Uh, it goes on and on and they basically are pissed off because a guy wrote this. This is how I respond to your dumb article somebody did. Middle fucking fever. Finger. And now I'm blocking time because this is ridiculous and stupid. I have no more time for it. Men are amazing. Women are amazing. The end. But never let a crisis go to waste. We showed in the last podcast. People are pissed off because they're only showing men rescuing people. Now, time's got to say, well, one guy tweeted one tweet about men protecting them in a time where men are evil, the women's march is a thing, and the media loves it. And they grab leftists to bash some guy. I'm sorry. I will ensure if there's a flood in Tennessee, if you're a woman and you're a feminist, just tell me. I'll leave you there to drown. Because if I save you, that's toxic masculinity. So Christianity happened again. They released there's going to be a national day of prayer. This is how the left responded. If prayer worked, there wouldn't be have been a disaster. Texas don't need prayer. We need action. If prayer worked there, it wouldn't have been disaster to begin with. Texas don't need prayer. We need action. He reworded it, tweeted it twice. It's born to resist with a C. The people in Texas don't need thoughts and prayers. They need food, water, and shelter. Where's Trump? Selling hats on a golf course? Dork says Maximus. How is praying going to change the thing? Why not instead focus on infrastructure improvement and combat climate change? Aren't we supposed to have a separation of church and state, Donna D said? And PDX now in Atlanta, which means Portland now in Atlanta. Believing in the imaginary doesn't help or solve real life situations. If you really want to help, then donate. Time, money, and shelter. 
Yeah, they didn't like the National Prayer Day. Just didn't like it at all. But there was one thing everybody got in on, and they liked. Kill all ants. This is actual freaking blog that I thought was funny as shit. Crazy visual demonstrating why it's so hard to sink a floating ant colony because they use their dead. This is a topic of some interest right now because people are learning that ants do not drown when it floods. Oh no, they form like little balls and float along with the floodwaters, moving their colonies into brand new areas. Let me repeat, they cannot be killed by water and they float along it. And they are coming for you and your children and your pets and your sucker punch Blu-rays. Here's more on ants. Flood water will not drown fire ants, Texas A&M person of intelligence said. Uh, instead, entire colonies, blah, 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 blah. Now look, I don't want to overact here. There are a lot of problems in the world. Floods, plagues, nuclear eyes, norks. I get it. Lots of stuff going on right now. But if we can't spare $287 billion estimate to wipe out the floating death balls of ants, then honestly, what's even the point of being an unrivaled hyperpower with the power to destroy all life on planet Earth? I'm just saying, we need to stay on top of the ant menace. Some steps we can take. Government-mandated flamethrowers. Genetic engineering of superpower race of anteaters. I don't know, like super poisons. You see the problem here? You can't even drown these vicious little bastards. What are you supposed to do? I'm all ears. And if trouble won't step into a plane here, well, by God, I might just have to throw my own hat into the ring. It's time we make America great and also ant-free. <laughs> People posted pictures from Fort Lewis. And I'm going to tell you right now, I remembered it when I saw the picture of ant mounds four feet tall. So, I thought that was funny. Another one, Texas DPS special agent rescued a gentleman in Houston and went back for the U.S. flag that his brother had. He's a KIA for World War II. I thought that was fantastic. But, of course, we got to show how the New York Times was covering it. Yeah. New York Times, during this event, a lot of black people went up. Trump got selfies. A lot of black people were actually local reporters reporting saying, meeting him changed my opinion of him. Meeting him changed my opinion of him. What did Glenn Thrush cover? Milani with another wardrobe change on Air Force One. Blue denim shirt, color up. Dark Texas cap, blue sneakers. Somebody summed it up. This is Glenn Thrush reporting for Vogue magazine. <laughs> And Daniel Tobin, a Hillary Flack, literally, literally decided to go uber political during this. And he went down to Houston and he wore his Obama shirt. He knew that the counties that he was in, not Houston, by the way, were not Obama counties. He then tweeted interesting findings for my Obama shirt and then went on to, re you know, basically regale how people treated him normal and nobody gave him shit and he was surprised by that. Neon Taser summed it up. Spoiler alert, people were polite, bemused, and that's about it. Somebody very smartly said, as an experiment, wear a Trump t-shirt in Berkeley. Tweet us those results, my friend, and you will see a totally different thing. But our last ugly, to get off Harvey, the Katy High School tweeted a picture of National Guard soldiers sleeping in a hallway. The resistance got so mad over it, they had to delete the tweet. 
people were insulted by watching U.S. soldiers sleep in a hallway. Katie summed it with, we know the truth. And again, to the U.S. National Guard, thank you for your service. If you need anything, let us know. Another person, God bless the troops, sad critics slammed the photo when troops chose the floor to nap instead of cots. Some people are nitpickers. In quotes. I say, some people are motherfuckers. Courtney Friel, LA City Council just voted 14 to 1 to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous People Day as municipal holiday. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Okay. They had a bunch of people dressed up in Indian garb with passionate speeches, they said. Matt Dowd, the reason why people deny climate science has nothing to do with science. It's all because they don't want to change behavior to fix it. Neon Taser. No, it's because those who tell them to change their behavior to fix it all fly everywhere in private jets and own yachts and giant mansions. The entire world went over and over and over and over. Showing pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio, Al Gore, Obama, Clinton, the whole nine yards. MSDNC is actually doing instant fact check. Kyle Griffin tweeted it. That's where I got it. Amazing technology that wasn't developed before January 20th of this year, he says. And it only works if it only worked for Dems, he also said. And as the president was speaking, they were putting things in quotes. Trump praises Reagan-era tax reform, once called it a disaster that ruined economy. That's how biased they're getting. He can't even do a speech without some smart-ass resistant member on the scroller. But our tweet of the day, Linda Sarsar, double. First one, I just lost all my text threads. I have an iPhone. Any idea why? The Mossad. That's right. The Israeli special forces, who I am sure monitor her feed a lot. Yes. <laughs> 
You know you're a terrorist when the Mossad is following you. The other one, yes, my last name means cockroach in Arabic, and yes, I'm proud of it, Jim Treacher. The cockroach's art. Hey, of the day! And we're back to Linda Sassar and our hate tweets because donate to Harvey Hurricane Relief Fund. I could read you about 10,000 tweets. The reality is a lot of liberals. Well, this, this reads Sean Davis. This is a scam to raise cash for a group that only exists to run left-wing GOTV operations. Women's March did it. They said, give this to, for black, Latinx, and other communities safe from hurricane. They're all taking that angle. Don't donate to the Red Cross. Don't donate to anything else other than these. The problem is the political packs. Chad Felix, every organization in Houston is helping everyone, and no one there cares about this nonsense. Stop Creating divisiveness. Jim Hansen, bravo for dividing the disaster relief along color lines, you sad haters. Erica Davidson, Sarsar set up a hurricane relief fund that actually donates to lobbying and grassroots organizations, not relief. She's despicable. Her reply, alt-right must have sent out an email blast. My mentions are on steroids today. David Burge, who could possibly object to trawling for political donations in the name of hurricane relief? Yeah. Yeah. But that's how they were. Slate, Houston doesn't showcase America at its best. Disaster science has repeatedly punctured the myth perpetuated by Hollywood and the media that cataclysm awaits our worsening cells. Rather, disruptive events loosen our morals just enough to permit new kinds of compassion. Findings put a frame around the cooperative society that has lately emerged in Houston. It's a beautiful anomaly, a liquid note of silver momentarily liberated from sheath of rust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Trump went down there? Do you think the resistance took a, a, a break, maybe? Oh, no. Texas Young Dam's currently about 70 protesters and five Trump supporters outside the Austin DPS office. Ready to resist is helping those in need. Because that's their thing, ready to resist. The thing about being progressive is we can be multifaceted and intersectional in our policy and actions. We can help others and call out bad policy. People pretty much summed it up. This is just low er than pathetic. Yeah. 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 Unfucking believable. No breaks. Just keep up the hate. Planned Parenthood, fill in the blank. The person I'm going out with can never blank. Tell us your dating deal breakers. It's summed up by Quotron. This is not going to go how you thought it would. Here's the replies for the blank. Supporting Planned Parenthood by Momo. Maggie Kidd, donate to Planned Parenthood. Support the killing of unborn human beings, Gingerlicious said. Support an organization founded upon and currently practicing the racist practice of genetics. James Superman, dismember, poison, stab, or otherwise kill our theoretical future children at one of your clinics. And it went on and on. I couldn't find anything that said that they're not pro-choice. 
Couldn't find that. And I just think that's fun. Major hate goes to lefties attacker Porter who say to reporter getting crushed by the Antifa. Yes. Al Letson. I wasn't there to save anyone. I was there to cover the protest. It was largely peaceful. I'm no saint, savior, or some great peacemaker. I'm just a man. Wasn't taking sides, by the way, the protest. I'm a journalist. Yeah, a real journalist. The last thing I wanted was the part of the story to be about me. But of all things, I am. I am human first. I didn't know who the man was. I didn't care. He was in trouble and I reacted. I'm not making a political statement about who did what and why. I just acted when I saw someone in need. That's it. If you have a problem with that, that's your issue, not mine. If saving someone who's a white supremacist makes me less of a black man for you, that's your problem, not mine. I know who I am, what I stand for. I'm not perfect. I'm just a man trying to navigate the world as I found it. That's what he said. He's black. Yeah, he got attacked for it. Yeah. Some Antifa fuck said something. Can't believe CNN would air blatantly racist footage of someone who's literally a Nazi. Good thing Seville to DC is on their way to stop him. They're Mark Ruffalo, the Hulk and company are doing a march to stop Trump. Here, as I found in a hate tweet, is what they want. Drop all charges against Veronica Fitzhugh, a criminal. Drop all charges against 22 people arrested protesting KKK on July 8th, criminals. Initiate immediate development of affordable housing for extremely low-income people and fulfill the positive vision of resident-directed redevelopment that nobody's ever heard of. Apologize for public, publicly for police negligence to the family of all the people that were ever killed by a cop. Cease the targeting of black families by social services send children to foster care. And militarize police units like Jade. They don't want us to fight drugs. They just want them all to have drugs. Stop discriminatory stop and frisk. It's already stopped, you idiots. And money bail. Remove all Confederate monuments. Mike Singer must resign because there is blood on your hands. That's what they're going for. What the fuck over? To our hypocrisy. Washington Post. Perspective. College football gives conservatives their own safe space on campus. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they actually had a full article on that. Brianna Wu. Hey, New York Times. You're disciplining firing the editor to prove dead naming somebody an egregious breach of ethics right. And who the somebody was is Bradley Manning. They said the word Brandley Manning when they were talking about who he was and his background. The rest of the article said Chelsea, but that politician is upset they even said Bradley. So I guess you're supposed to go back in history and remove the name. Okay. Katie Pavlik with the huge hypocrisy of the week. Confirmed Comey decided he wasn't going to refer Hillary for prosecution long before FBI investigation was over. I'm not even surprised by this. The, the, the conservative talk shows the world was losing it over this. Come on, folks. It was obvious all along. They couldn't do anything because they inferred charges on Hillary. Guess who they had to infer charges on? The dear one who got over a hundred emails from Clinton.org. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even getting into that. I'm not. I'm just going to let it go. It's, it's a fact. 
That was a rigged case. You and I in jail. I covered it on the show. Soldiers go to jail. Dude, during this, took pictures of a sub, went to fucking jail. Washington Post again, perspective. Here's why it's not sexist to criticize Melania Trump for running to a disaster zone in heels. Yeah. Two memes came out of this. Real pictures. I researched back to the site. There's all sorts of women in Houston walking around in volunteer lines in high heels. Just to mock the media. But I have to say for the record and why it makes our hypocrisy, let a conservative politician, let a conservative reporter literally dog a Democrat woman in high heels ever and you're a fucking sexist. Another meme that was all over the place. This is Houston. Want to know what this line is? Food, water, housing? Nope. Volunteers. I searched the origin of that. It's real. It was a mile long. There's boats lined up all over the fucking place. It's just amazing. The South's totally different than the North. The North, you just go fuck yourself and you start drowning. But in the South, yeah, people are coming for you. Jim Acosta, strange at the White House, will continue to have Instagram pick a Trump looking at a monitor while stating he was horror of Harvey. He saw the horror of Harvey firsthand. Mega Matt, Trump derangement syndrome full effect. Destruction was seen from Air Force One. Where was Obama last year during Louisiana flooding? Wasn't he in Hawaii? Yeah. Reporters this week were actually asking, is he going to take a picture from Air Force One? Now, those that are smart enough to remember, that picture was what the left and the media slammed Bush for because he couldn't land during Katrina. Yeah. They wanted that picture again. Trump never took the picture. Yesterday, they were deciphering, just deciphering everything he said, every word. He really doesn't care. University of Chicago Law School, Professor Laura Winrib, the ACLU free speech stance should not be about social justice, not timeless, should be about social justice, not timeless principles. Say it again. They're saying the ACLU should not enforce free speech for conservatives. That's, that's why I put it in here. Yeah. Canada. Oh, Canada. Yeah, this one made it, got crushed. Nobody saw it. You only find it on the internet with conservative Twitters. A surge of Haitians are heading north to avoid U.S. deportation. Only discover it may be even sooner in Canada. And it goes down to breakdown in this article from U.S. News and World Report. Yeah. Yeah. They get sent home too. Wow. I guess it only works for... Latinos? Trudeau? I'm just just asking. Jeff Zellini, President Trump, praises Texas as a special place, saying this is really my honor. But isn't this actually your duty, Mr. President? Jim Tresher summed this up. This reporter once asked Obama what enchanted him. Yeah. 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 These people. These people. Washington Post humorous trashes Antifa's human stink potato who make racist the victim. The violent left may not be as amoral as white supremacists. Their underlying cause noble, not noxious. But in my view, they present a larger threat to all of us. This dude was attacked mercilessly for this. 
and I'll read a Twitter or a Time Magazine one in our Antifa section. Their eyes are waking up. Nancy Pelosi has even said something because now they can't say anything anymore. Berkeley last weekend opened the door to liberals that have to say, whoa, wait, maybe, maybe we don't want to coddle to these people. ProPublica is our major hypocrisy of the week. Going with the lefty line that you don't want to donate to normal no normal uh, emergency relief institutions because they don't take care of black people, supposedly, even though I saw a lot of people, black people getting Red Cross shit and Katrina, whatever. They did a full expose on this. Harvey has devastated tax, Texas in time of devastation. People get give to disaster relief. I cannot read this morning. And so let's talk about the Red Cross. You maybe saw the Barack Obama tweet telling people to give to Red Cross. However, WAPO reported that folks are urging people to donate for Harvey relief, just not to the Red Cross. Things haven't been going too well for the charity so far. This is not a shock to us. Why? Let's go through it all over again. A few years ago, we started looking into how millions of Sandy donations were spent. They wouldn't tell us. Kept reporting and got here. The Red Cross botched his response to Super Soren Sandy and put PR over victims. Months later, reported that Red Cross raised a half billion for Haiti, built six homes, just six. Then it failed Louisiana. Then it stumbled Mississippi. Has already also seriously misled donors on how much money goes to disaster. It's 99, not 91% of the money. A government investigation started looking into the charity disaster response overnight. Its CEO tried to spike it. Then a blistering Senate report said Red Cross CEO made false statements to Congress. And even eventually trust appears to be an issue. Only 35% of employees said they trust the Red Cross. And now Harvey has dumped trillions of gallons of water in Houston. Red Cross might be stumbling again. So we're on it. But also need your help. A response to Harvey, how's the Red Cross doing? Have any tips? Email us at ProPublica. Finally, if you're looking to donate to disaster relief, read this first. Everything they said literally was a lefty site. Yeah. Remember, my friends, when they go through these little statements about they failed Haiti, yeah, the Clintons got, that's the Clintons. The Clintons got that money. And they're the ones that failed. But you see ProPublica, a uber alt-left news source, they're going to blame the Red Cross. Only idiots think the Red Cross is fucked up. To our stats, AP New York Times have ignored Wasserman Schultz's damn IT scandal for over a month. They've not reported anything. But Phil Kirpin's out there. Here's some facts, boys and girls. Democrat Senator Bob Menendez lived his lifestyle on bribes funded by 105 million Medicare fraud scheme. Melgan steals from Medicare, bribes Melendez with lavish resorts, private jets, etc. Menendez tries to kill Medicare fraud investigation. We're just friends. Menendez says, you American taxpayers were footing the bill. They stole your money from Medicare. Melgan has already been convicted of Medicare fraud. Ask your senator if Menendez should resign. If convicted, believe it or not, Dems are floating, letting him stay. He argued his corruption action was protected by the Constitution's speech or debate clause. 
trying to appeal all the way to Supreme Court and was ridiculous. The United States has posted his trial brief in USA versus Menendez. They have Bob's chief of staff saying in an email that visas for Melgan's, Melgan's girlfriend and her sister were granted only thanks to Bob. They have Melendez pressuring Sebelius to drop the Medicare fraud investigation in Harry Reid's office. They're inducing over 20,000 pages of evidence. Pretty good beatdown of Bob's political revenge conspiracy theory PR spin. This... And Kirpin is the only one I know that's on this story daily. It's a national disgrace, another reporter said. Another one, MSM, to bury the story, wondering if they'll drop charges back based on lack of public interest. Amy Baton from WAPO even tweeted this. The fact that U.S. Senator bribery trial is not even a top five story in the news cycle tells you just how crazy this year has been. Everyone else said, or that he's a Democrat. Be serious. Only reason it isn't number one is the D next to his name. And that's the truth. Remember, mayor of New Orleans, Nagan, major crimes. They never said Democrat when they reported it. He went to jail. Trump donated one million bucks to even ask the media where she send the million bucks. You haven't heard it a whole lot. It got buried. It just got buried. They don't give a fuck. They just don't care. People were saying it wasn't enough. We live in stupid times. To a music break in our only segment today, Antifa. Gonna hear an intro <clears throat> when it come out of the music break. We're gonna cover a couple things. And we're going to close this bad bad boy up. On a Korean K-pop, I don't know, phase? I don't know. This is called Priston. I think this song is catchy as shit. They were speaking English. It would be number one in America. I'd even buy the shit. And I hate pop music. I'm not a man, 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 I'
The pop podcast is the best. Only you can do my bonus. And listen. Only you can do my bonus. Wing and listen. Wing and listen. Wing and listen. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. You just got knocked the fuck out. The punishment fits the crime. Keep your hand held high. You fight out wide. That is racist. It's going down, and you're invited. But what they selling? We ain't buying. There is no running. There is no hiding, there's only fighting or dying. It's going down, and you're invited for what they sell it. We ain't buying, there is no running, there is no hiding, there's only fighting or dying. It's Going Down is a digital community center from anarchist, anti-fascist, autonomous, anti-capitalist, and anti-colonial movements. Our mission is to provide an autonomous and resilient platform to publicize and promote revolutionary theory and action. Go to itsgoingdown.org for daily updates, patreon.com slash news for how to help us grow, and rate and follow us on iTunes if you like this podcast. New at noon, we are getting a look at some of the people arrested in Berkeley over the weekend. KPIX Times' Jessica Flores explains why organizers are defending the violent reaction. Our cameras captured Trump supporters being chased out of Berkeley and so-called anti-fascist groups and right-wing demonstrators clashing when a peaceful counter-protest against racism turned violent. But today, the counter-protest organizers are defending what happened at MLK Civic Center Park on Sunday. And we have no regrets for how they left our city. 
we do not want white supremacists in our city. We do not want neo-Nazis in our city. We do not want the alt-right in their city. The organizers say the people wearing black masks, or so-called Antifa, who vastly outnumbered the Trump supporters, provided protection to counter-protesters. Our experience on the streets was that we were defended by people who came as anti-fascists to do that. We don't apologize for any of it. Do not come here with it. Do not. It is unwelcome. We have a right and an obligation to self-defense, period, point blank. The Berkeley police chief says seeing the Antifa folks mixed in with the peaceful demonstration is troubling. And as far as I'm concerned, there's some, um, some deep discussions that need to happen within our community about uh, providing uh, space for, um, for Antifa uh, and the folks, some of the folks we saw. So it's a smaller number, but considerable number of folks we saw here today. Berkeley police tell us that 13 people were arrested here at MLK Civic Center Park, and the National Lawyers Guild today signaled that it could be legally defending some of those people. Reporting in Berkeley, I'm Jessica Flores, KPIX. Right there, you heard the uh, Straight from the Past song, which is the actual Antifa band, Atham, whatever the fuck these idiots are. Um, also, it's going down, a podcast, you heard their intro, um, I reviewed it, it was pretty fucking bad. And a local report of how in Berkeley last weekend, Antifa was the aggressor. So Mark Bray got airtime with WAPO. We've been covering Bray because he wrote a book on it, the Antifa handbook. Chuck Toad has promoted him twice on his show because he's all about the Antifa. And now he's all of a sudden quiet after Berkeley last weekend. This is what was in it. I've kind of gleaned it down. Who are the Antifa? President Trump equated them with white supremacists. Here's why he's wrong. Mark Bray is a historian, blah, 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 dick face. The vast majority of anti-fascist organization is nonviolent, but their willingness to physically defend themselves and others from white supremacist violence and preemptively shut down fascist organizing efforts before they turn deadly distinguishes them from liberal anti-racist. Anti-fascists argue that after the horrors of the chattel slavery and the Holocaust, physical violence against white supremacists is both ethically justifiable and strategically effective. We should not, they argue, abstractly assess the ethical status of violence in the absence of the values and context behind it. Instead, they put forth an ethically consistent historical informed argument for fighting Nazis before it's too late. As Cornell West explains, after surviving neo-Nazi attacks in Charlottesville, if it hadn't been for the anti-fascists protecting us from their neo-fascists, we would have been crushed like cockroaches. Years before the alt-right even had a name, anti-fascists were spending thankless hours scouring CD message boards and researching clandestine neo-Nazi gatherings. They were tracking those who planted the seeds of death that we all witnessed in Charlottesville. One guy. Okay. Agree or disagree with their methods, the Antifa, who devote themselves in combating racism, are in no way equivalent to alt-right trolls who joke about gas chambers. Behind the mass, Antifa are nurses, teachers, neighbors, and relatives of all race and genders who do not hesitate to put themselves on the line to shut down fascism by any means necessary. It should not have taken the murder of Heather Heyer for so many of us, especially white people, to take seriously the threat of white power that has plagued communities of color for generations. The history of anti-fascist demands that we take seriously the violence of white supremacists. The days of just ignoring them are over. So this guy is such a, a cheerleader for them. Dartmouth Antifa expert ensnared in controversy. The faculty literally wrote a letter 
saying he's a douche nozzle. A douche log. Hansen released a statement last Monday saying Bray's comments in support of violent protests do not represent the views of the school. But members of 100 faculty have pushed back and said, they, oh, you need to retract that. They're sticking to it. They're just sticking to their statement because what they're doing literally is horrible. Hanlon's webpage, it says that recent statements made by Bray supporting violent protests do not represent the views of Dartmouth. As an institution, we condemn anything but civil discourse and the exchange of opinions and ideas. <clears throat> Embraces free speech and open inquiry in all matters and all on our campus enjoy the freedom to speak, write, listen, and debate in pursuit of better learning and understanding. However, the endorsement of violence in any forms is con- contrary to the college's value. During the 30s and 40s, Bray said there was no public opinion to be leveraged by nonviolent resistance. If you get fascists to be powerful enough in government, they're simply not going to listen to the kind of public opinion that nonviolence could generate. That's the argument for resistance to Nazis. It's privileged position to be able to say that you never have to defend yourself from these kind of monsters. So from his thing, we've already heard... He outright is part of them. He's further said they have no allegiance to liberal democracy, and Antifa expert explains. He knows this. This didn't get on Meet the Press. Antifa is not a monolithic organization, nor does it have anything like a hierarchy. It's an umbrella group that shares a number of causes, the most important which is resisting white nationalist movements. Adherents are mostly socialists, anarchists, and communists. They want to reject turning to the police or the state to halt the advance of white supremacy. Instead, they advocate popular opposition to fascism, as we witness in Charlottesville. He says in this article, the author goes, is this largely a response to Trump? I think so. The basic principle of Antifa is no platform for fascism. If you ask them, they'll tell you that they believe you have to deny any platform. And he's just like Europe. That's what he's saying. What's their strategic logic? Why do they think physical violence as opposed to nonviolent resistance is both justifiable and effective? Much of what they do does not involve physical confrontation. They also focus on using public opinion to expose white supremacists and raise the social and professional cost of their participation in these groups. They want to see these people fired from their jobs, denounced by their families, marginalized by their communities. But yes, part of what they do is physical. They view self-defense as necessary in terms of defending communities against white supremacists. They also see this as a a preventative action. They think that this is all going to turn into Nazi Germany, he goes on to say. You say as one of the principles of Antifa is no platform for fascists. How do they define fascism? Yeah. Anti-fascist groups don't only organize against textbook fascists. There is, first of all, a lot of debate about what constitutes fascism, and it's a legitimate question to ask, where does one draw the line, and how does one see this kind of organizing? Of course, there's no central command, there's no Antifa board of directors telling people what they need to do, but I suppose the question you're raising has to do with the slippery slope argument, which is that if you start calling everyone a fascist and depriving them of a platform, where does it end? One of the arguments I make in the book is that while analytically that's a conversation worth having, I don't know of any empirical example Examples of anti-fascists successfully stopping a neo-Nazi group and then moving on to other groups that are not racist, but merely to the right. 
what tends to happen is they disband once they've successfully marginalized and eliminated the local right-wing extremist threat and then return to what they normally do, organizing unions, doing environmental activism. They have no allegiance to liberal democracy, which they believe has failed to marginalize communities they're defending. Yeah. So basically has no answer. They just do what they do. Anything that is not them is fascist. So then the big question was in this article, what does Antifa actually want? For the most part, these are pan-leftist groups composed of leftists of different stripes. They all seem to have different views of what they think the ideal social order should be. Some of them are Marxist, Leninist, Leninist. Social Democrats are anarchists, but they cohere around a response to what they perceive a threat. Said before, anti-fascists don't have any allegiance to liberalism, so that's not the question that they are focused on. The question is also how much of the threat do they think white supremacists or neo-Nazi pose, both in literal or immediate sense, but also in terms of ability to influence broader discourse or even a Trump administration. He then goes on for a full paragraph saying nothing. Because he doesn't want to answer the question. He doesn't want to get out in the press and ruin the cause of Antifa, of what they want. So I did some researching and came across a lot of audio that piqued my curiosity. One was a Gavin McGivis interview with these people called Boston Antifa. This is pretty pathetic shit. But I'm going to play this interview and I found these knuckle fucks in their YouTube manifesto. The dude wears a chick v-neck shirt and the girl... Oh, he holds a bat also, and this chick who shows her tits most of the time seems a lot more involved than do is. So really what I got from this is that, you know, this guy just wants to be with this girl so he can play with her tits, but whatever. Um, basically, what I am going to play for you is going to outline cops are bad. Matt Rushmore needs to go back to the Indians, basically. They even spoke about faux rock coverage shit. I, these people are not very intelligent. ISIS blaming is bad. No shit, he says it. Collecting trophies and taking people's shit that burning it is what they do. Communism and the end of businesses and installing it as our form of government is what they want. The song we let in is how is their anthem. They even quote the lyrics for a little portion of this. How Vice, the Atlantic, New York Times, and the media supporting them and assassinating Trump Twitter is not suppressing Antifa or assassinating Trump or ran about Trump and Pence being found guilty of treason, edited out the ramblings and just put into his point so it's kind of brought down. I reviewed all their videos, then they went off the air. They pulled themselves down. And then I found a bunch of stuff saying these guys weren't real but they had 150,000 followers and they were talking about what they were going to do for the Boston free speech rally counter protest. It's a long soundbite. I want you to listen to this because this is inside what Mark Bray won't talk about, what Meet the Press won't talk about. This is what these people are. Hey, Boston Antifa, you there? Yeah, hello. How's it going, eh? 
Oh, it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, you know, we uh, we just wanted to come on here to uh, you know, uh, try to uh, suppress uh, any kind of normative fascism uh, that may be on uh, your show or any of your uh, friends' shows. And so we're uh, glad to be here. Well, what is normative fascism? Well, Quinn has something to say about that. Well, until recently, uh, until Trump led a movement which swept the low IQs of the nation, uh, Nazis and fascists were too afraid to leave their homes. But now they have become emboldened and fascism has become normalized. So what we do is we go to their rallies and we shut them down. Oh, okay. I've seen that. I saw Yvette Falarka beating up people with her little Pilipina fists. Uh, it, it, I don't understand, though, this this need for you you people to use violence to shut down a, a conversation. If if it's so offensive, couldn't you just refute it? See, well, we can't even allow fascists to have a platform because they spread and incite hatred with their voice, and we can't have that. But say someone wanted to do a talk on why pedophilia is cool. I feel like I would love to be part of that talk and just shoot them down. It would be such an easy thing to, to, to refute. And then that person would look like a fool and everyone would be the wise. But if you, you know, burn down the building he's supposed to do a talk in, uh, you almost give him more credibility and you make everyone else sympathize with him or at least empathize. Now, see, a few broken windows is a small price to pay when we are saving thousands of lives by preventing a future Holocaust. <laughs> so that's the impetus here is you're trying to prevent another Hitler from doing another Holocaust. Exactly. Is that Trump's plan? It appears to be, yes. Okay, and he wants to kill not just Jews, but trans people, disabled people, Mexicans. He wants to yes, kill them all. Of yes. course, yes. Absolutely. I mean, that's always been the uh, case. It's always been the plan. What about poor white people? Those are his voter base. He can't kill those people. He's just been using them for the past uh, year now. Okay, so he wants to kill about half of the American population. It'll make it easier for him to stay in power. Two, 220 million people he wants to kill? It appears so. That seems a bit That's rich. Well, you know, you have to be a little overdramatic, too, uh, because, you know, uh, desperate times, you know, of course, cause, uh, you know, they need to have desperate measures. And uh, we need to suppress this by any means necessary. And uh, we're not being, you know, we're not exaggerating here when we say this. Uh, one thing leads to another. So I think what Quinn is saying uh, does have a lot of truth. I see. Okay, so what's really happened here is we've learned why you guys don't like an open dialogue because your ideas are so infantile that even talking about them for more than two minutes exposes no. the bizarre That's holes in logic you have. You're just not listening and you're spinning what we're saying. You're rich kids who think that you speak for the poor and you say you want no government and you want the government to enforce this idea by calling the police on how much you hate the pigs. That is totally misrepresentative of what we're about. Uh, we do not want the government to enforce these laws. That's why we have to take to the streets and enforce these laws. But aren't you also socialists? Don't you want more regulations? See, now that's where it starts to get a little complicated. We are a two-step movement. 
So first, I'm sorry, you, they, you're not coming in that well. I don't know where We're it is with this Skype. Minutes. It's getting. It's second. not. I can't. I'm just, oh, man. No platform for fascists this Saturday in Boston. Fight back. His comrades. It is slaves of the American way. It is Dustin 28, spokesperson for Boston Antifa, and we smash fash. So, comrades, uh, you've noticed, of course, the different attacks and assaults in our communities that have been put on by the fascist Trump supporters, neo-Nazis, and Proud Boys. Uh, different groups coming together to uh, assault marginalized people all over the country. You've seen it in Berkeley many times now, you've seen it in the South, and soon it's coming here to Boston. Uh, I would like to have this video be sort of a group experience uh, whenever there is one of these freeze peach rallies coming to your town. Uh, this is often how they've been doing things because they know that they can get more of the support of the community by pretending to defend the Constitution. Now, we know that the Constitution uh, cannot protect them from hate speech, and the Constitution is something that needs to go regardless anyway. So I'd like to show a few clips from previous maneuvers and attacks uh, that the Trump supporters have given us. So let's show some of that and then we'll continue with uh, a few different maneuvers of our own to defend against these people. So comrades, you've seen it with your own eyes. What can we do to more effectively protect our communities against this wave of Nazism? Antifa chapters all over the country, we are the last line of offense against these people. Fascists are not welcome in our they come under the guise of free speech, but we know that it is hate speech. Nationalists are not welcome in our communities. They wave their American flags, and they seek this pandering support from the community. But the community, of course, has lost its faith in the system and the nation. Trump supporters are not welcome in our community. They are the sole responsibility for what the world is facing now and what it will face in the future, which is far worse than what we have seen in just a few months, although it is pretty bad, I think we can all agree. So we have to do more. We need to band together and stay together. We need to fight back. So heed those words and say them loudly and clearly. Fight back. Let's all do our part and fight back. Fight. Greetings. My name is Quinn, and this is Boston Antifa. So today, May 13th, 2017, was the 
free speech rally here at the Common. We woke up early. We took the hill. It, we had the high ground. So people started showing up and then more people started showing up and some of our brethren did not show up today. You know that the police protect the Nazis and the fascists. You know this, but you chose not to show up today anyway. You left us high and dry. So as a tactical maneuver, we retreated. And all of these Nazis and all of these fascists are celebrating. Like, oh, we took the hill. It'll come back around. So, I don't know, just right now in Boston, it doesn't really seem safe for the revolutionaries. Things are getting dangerous. So we really must learn tactical maneuvers, learn how to fight back. Because when they come at us, they're going to think that we don't know how to fight. And this gives us the upper hand. So I want all of you to start understanding the other side. Look at their tactics. Look at what they say and do. It'll be okay. We won't let them win. We must protect our cities from fascism by any means necessary. So be safe and fight back. It was on mute the whole time. Nobody, that's it. I, so I don't know what just went on, but can you guys hear us now? Cause. Greetings comrades. Thanks for letting us know that there was no sound. It only took at least five minutes. Yeah, yeah, really nice. So anyway, uh, we were talking about the, the free speech rally and Marty Walsh and how he said that he was going to stop it. And guess what? Tomorrow, still happening, and he still, he gave a permit out. And uh, I don't know, I mean, he was with her, but he's apparently not with us, right? Sounds about right. So this rally is supposed to have a hundred people show up to it tomorrow. I, I don't think so. Uh, although I did hear that thousands were planning on showing up in protest, which is great. Uh, that's that's going to be awesome. I mean, it's really going to be a victory for Antifa. Yeah, we're expecting absolutely nobody to show up. Uh, we heard that Gavin uh, McGuinness, Mc, Mc, he's not showing up, and that's cool. You know, we didn't expect, he's saying it's a trap. It is a trap because, as you can see, the majority of the country is now against Trump. What is his approval rating now? Is it like it's five? It's got to be. Is it the people like in this chat, that. probably? <laughs> How many do we have? 113. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. 
so. Look at them. They're so pissed off. Yeah, they're Why just, does everybody hate us? They just don't like to lose. Yeah, Lois, since he won the election, that's right, Danny. This is, and you think it's going to go anywhere up at all? He's had six, he's had six months. Right. Actually, no, he's like, what is it? It's like eight now? It's been since January. God, it seems like it's forever. He's, he's only, he, he only has like two years tops, so it doesn't really matter. Bannon's out today. How about that? <laughs> huh? That's awesome. You guys are just on a, uh, a sinking ship that's, it's also burning. I think it's going to sink before, you know, uh, you're able to save it. Right. And <laughs> the water's not going to help. It's nothing. Your, your ship's fucked. What has he done to personally affect me? What do you mean? All of my marginalized friends have been completely marginalized, and you're trying to tell me that he's done nothing. Uh, let's see, the transgenders? He's, uh, you know... They're not even them. allowed to fight for this country? Yeah. How about that? Uh, tell that chick to take... You know, I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew that you guys were going to continue to do this, and... Uh, you know, there's a lot more important things going on tomorrow. Everyone is finding then out. Finding boobs, you virgins. <laughs> yeah, they're losers. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. It doesn't affect girl me. On, girl on the screen, huh? <laughs> girl on the internet. How is that possible? Yeah. That, that's a fan. Those aren't air vents. That, I guess that's not important either, is it? We should start, we should talk about the, the rally a little bit. We discussed mm -hmm. Bannon being out. Yeah. Um... Do you have any more, uh, you know, things you'd like to say about Bannon before we move on? He's just a, a white supremacist. I mean, it's obvious. So he, he worked for Breitbart. They welcomed him back with open arms. So he's back in the loving arms of the stupid right-wing, disgusting organization that spreads lies. Yeah, I, I didn't even know a corpse could uh, be employed by Trump, but apparently he's figured out. The guy's so gross. Have you guys even looked at him since this happened? It's kind of like, it just gets worse and worse. He is a white supremacist. He is. That's right, Wayne. He is a white su supremacist. Uh, that's one thing I'd like to talk about before we move on, white supremacist. Mm -hmm. um, say it right. Don't say white supremacist. You sound like an idiot. Yeah, I don't know if it's just like the baby boomers saying it, or it seems like a lot of your people on your side can't even say white supremacist. And it's funny because that's exactly who you are. Well, see, the problem is many of them went to schools in right-wing states, notoriously dumber states. So you can't really blame them. Uh, so these people, um, at least I see some of our comrades on. Uh, are you guys all pumped up for the rally tomorrow? <laughs> Who's going? Let's see. Uh... Say something that rhymes with orange. What is rhyme? What rhymes with orange? I'm sure there's something. I can't believe there's almost 300 people watching this stupid thing. And they're, I mean, they're mostly not. All these trolls, they have nothing to do. It's Friday night. What are you doing? Well, I tell you what we're doing on Facebook. We're going to smash bash one way or the other. 
And uh, let's see here. We got, uh, what would you like to say about our next topic here? Oh, well, it's really exciting, actually. The the government and, and the media, are they're all coming out in support of Antifa, which is which is a huge victory for us because, you know, the, the media we need to, you know, gather support from people who aren't in contact with us right now. And the government, of course, we need to help us in the revolution. Right. So, okay, people are wanting to know about information about the rally. Uh, what would you guys like to know? Because uh, we're going to go ahead and do a little bit of Q&A on that uh, as we go along here tonight. Oh, I think the media does support us uh, in the past. Why don't you open up CNN's website and take a look right now? Right. They they said that Antifa is, you know, promoting peace with violence. These kind of things tend to happen uh, with, you know, more of the media supporting you when there's no one supporting uh, your ideology and everybody's starting to realize the kind of mistake. Uh, you, you see this more and more when you go on Twitter. Uh, you, you see all these people, uh, they're saying, I voted for Trump, but, uh, you know, I've learned the error of my ways. And so actually tonight, if you'd like, you could go ahead and, uh, you know, express your regret for voting for Trump. Yeah, fall in line with the rest of them. Yeah, go ahead. Just go ahead. You know, we got enough trolls on here. You guys, if you've been paying attention, you know just the complete error that you've made. And we're not saying that you should vote for Hillary or anything. We're not saying that you should have done that. Nobody's saying that. We have no message. Uh, we have at least like, what? I have 60, 60 videos that are messages. So I was suggesting maybe you take a look at one of them. You regret that you could not vote for him twice. Well, that's you know, a good joke. That's funny because there were, uh, there's plenty of evidence with people voting for Trump twice. Actually, some woman got arrested for that, so you could have done it, but you would have been arrested like that lady did. I think she voted for him like five times. Yeah, and the, the rally is going to be at the, the common. Yeah, and that shows you exactly what voting does. It changes nothing. Because there's always somebody voting for, you know, what what's my favorite president? I can't think of oh, my favorite president. Let's pick a white male that we like the most. Hmm. Right. Hmm. Oh, do I like Taft? No. No, there aren't any good presidents. No, because the whole it's, system is yeah, a sham. Exactly. Well, I'm sorry that, you know, the things going on in the world are boring to you. They're no. I can't even keep up with these people. It's just rambling. Did somebody share this to uh, the God Emperor Trump or something? I, where are all these people coming from? Right. So I just wanna, I just wanted to do a cheers to that. Uh, adding to the monument thing, I, I think a lot of the, I mean, if there is a way that we could deface uh, Mount Rushmore or perhaps, you know, restore it to what it was. I, I don't know. That's kind of like, it's not exactly here, but it's something that we could work towards. 
trying to restore Mount Rushmore, would that be, do you think that would be possible for us to do that? Restore it to its original facing? Yeah, just, you know, restore it. I, I don't know if there's some kind of material that... Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's some kind of faux rock face that we could add to it. Just to take it back to what it used to be, right? And then perhaps we could... Well, I mean, also, I, I had another idea. Just like Crazy Horse, we could uh, change it. We could change those four people up there to, you know, be different uh, chiefs uh, in the, the country. Or just, you know, it, it didn't. It could just be natives of the country, but uh, I don't know. Perhaps if the Native Americans would go along with it, we could represent people of color up on true, Mount Rushmore true. instead. They may have to concede to the people who are most marginalized in our country right now, which would be people of color, people, right. black people. So I'd like to hear your guys' evidence on uh, Barcelona and why exactly you think it was ISIS, besides some uh, shadowy figure, you know, saying that it was. Because this seems like every single time one of these kind of things happens, uh, you know, just magically, uh, same day, oh, ISIS did it. Like, does somebody just call in to the media and that's all it takes? Somebody send an email saying that they're ISIS and they did it? Right. They have, like, a newsletter or something? Yeah. It's all a part of your plan, and, you know, you've been found out several times before. So don't sit there. So they are, yeah, they arrested so they Islamic can, terrorists. They just arrest sure. two guys, and then apparently they're guilty. I thought it was innocent until proven guilty, but I've heard differently, especially from the police. So in regards to BG Cumby with the Confederate flag in the background of the video, that was a that was a trophy. Right. That's all you guys need to know. Yeah, I've, I've showed you that on a video before. That's something that we do, and we're actually collecting a lot of them uh, throughout these different campaigns and uh, different direct actions. And we're going to stage, uh, you know, just a, we're going to have this huge on stage of uh, just burning all these different little trophies at once, and it should be a spectacular show. I, I think we might do that live too, actually. You know what Freeze Peach did in Germany? You know what Freeze Peach did in the South? You know what the Freeze Peach has done all over this country? And really the world. People. So don't talk to me about the Freeze Peach. The demolition crew. Yeah, the demolition crew, right. <laughs> and what we're trying to do is we're trying to kind of level out basically a new foundation to work on. Communism is the construction crew. Communism is what we hope to install. Rebuild. Yeah, to rebuild this country and to install completely uh, as the primary way that we do things in this country. It's like taking property from different corporations and which will not exist and hopefully in the future, but different companies, that kind of property will belong to everyone. Your private property, that kind of property, like your phone and everything, it will not be stolen from you. Nobody's going to come and steal your stupid old phone. <laughs> but as far as businesses go in running a business in this country, what you produce will belong to everybody. And I would think that this could be applied at a very large scale, and we 
never actually have done it before. People like to talk about the Soviet Union and things like that. The Soviet Union was completely corrupted by capitalist interests. Always is. Yeah, and it always happens because of this place. This country, it has a problem with it. It sees it as a threat because it knows that if communism is ever successful, it will mean the end of their ways. And so what they do is they go into countries like that and Bay of Pigs. How about, let's take Bay of Pigs, where they tried to assassinate Fidel. They do these things because they see communism as a threat. Stray from the Path. A great band. A fantastic band. It's been one of my favorites for so long. I made a cover of this, a piano cover, and it's really just exploded in popularity. So I would like to do a rendition of this. You know, again, this is the lyrics to a song. I, what I'm saying is not something that, you know, I'm trying to, uh, you know, threaten anybody in the chat room with. This is just a song. Okay. You just got knocked the fuck out. The punishment fits the crime. So keep your hand held high and you'll find out why that this raised fist ain't afraid to fly. 77 since the 88. Had to look at my phone because I couldn't believe the date. It's 2017, but in its 40s trend with a racist president that's making everything great again. But tell me why that this was fucking okay. All the streets in the screens popping triple Ks. You want the peace? Uh-uh, nah, that won't fly here. Because if you blink, they're pushing you back 300 years. Call it what you want, but it's an eye for an eye. I'll mark you with a downright down, right upright. They're trying to censor that they're the fucking oppressor. And all you want to say is that it's wrong when they're swinging at Spencer. So I don't know if everyone saw, but um, Vice had briefly had a tweet up that said that they, that they should uh, blow up Mount Rushmore. So um, a lot of the the leftist organizations that don't necessarily call themselves Antifa yet are starting to come out in support of the things that we're coming out in support of. Um, there's There was something trending that, that was uh, along the lines of hoping that Trump was assass getting assassinated. Uh, that was trending on Twitter. They're not censoring that. Twitter is uh, where it's at right now as far as Antifa goes. Um, they do a great job at not suppressing our movement there. Yeah. Thank you, Comrades Advice. Thank you. Thank you, Solidarity comrades. They They deleted it, though, so I'm not sure if we should really be thanking them. Well, you know that it's a just the... cowardly acts there. It's just know. the puppet masters. There's nothing we can really do about that. We, we were They were able to convey the message, but it's like a lot of these people... I mean, we were getting so much support today from, like, the... So people from the Atlantic, for mm -hmm. example, we got some really nice Antifa support from them today, and uh, I really appreciate that. Um, who else was giving us support? There was a guy from the New York Times today. Uh, actually, for this whole week, we've been getting support from that guy. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of them out there, but of course, you know, when they publish these things, when they publish stuff against Trump, sometimes, it I mean, they're so brave for doing it. Mm -hmm. For coming out and saying these things about Trump, I I see it all the time with Mike. You guys read Mike and Salon? Mm -hmm. Great publications. Great publications, and you know they're risking they're risking everything they have, and they've been risking everything they have for like two years now. To yes, I mean you understand that these 
these uh, people, they exist in a capitalist society. So they're going to have to try to make money with their publications, but they push so far, they toe the line of what they can and can't publish due to societal constructs of not calling out the fascists due to the white supremacists. Right. I don't really care if they're tried for treason or, or anything, because, I mean, fuck this country and fuck everything that it stands for. But, mm. yeah, Cracker Barrel, I, I noticed there was a lot of weird things. You guys want to just talk about some of the videos? Uh, Cracker Barrel, the, the rocking chair thing, you guys seem to have a weird issue with that. Do you realize that rocking chairs, they represent, you know, an old period of time when a lot of different people of color were unable to have rights. And it's a Southern culture thing in the same line as, uh, you know, the Confederate flag. It's all a part of that same Southern culture. And what we need to do is we need to stop treating it as something that's just whimsical or it's something that's just wonderful. It's not. It's over. It, we need to start getting rid of the Cracker Barrels. And I, you saw the video. And, I mean, it's like... I have to sort of go on a tangent here. But when I see a Cracker Barrel and I see the inside of it, uh, does it remind you of antique stores at all? <laughs> Those like, fucking places. I'm surprised. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Cracker Barrels? You, you realize, like... Uh, I, everything in them is from a time when, like, slaves existed, like, or at least it's trying to represent that time. And when you go to an antique store, you see a lot of this stuff. You see a lot of blackface, kind of like, uh, you know, the, what do they call it, like the Sambo type of things. and The, you, the Mammies. The Mammies and Sammies and all those kind of little things. And, like, there's that one thing. It's like this coin thing where you put a coin in its mouth and it goes, ah. Like that, I ah, like that, and it's a, uh, it's like metal die cast, something like that, mm -hmm. and it's strange. Like they just sell these things, and to me, a lot of these black face like little artifacts, it's like selling Hitler uh, merchandise. Right, but they do that though. They, at yeah. the antique stores, they sell Nazi emblems and 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 things from that era except in some places uh you know thankfully portland and things like that um they uh they had like the the confederate like rug uh they shut down that entire place because it had a confederate rug right. in it which was great but i would like to see more antique stores actually being take a stand take yeah exactly take a stand if you have an antique store in your town Go and check it out. Uh, see what kind of merchandise they have in it. And if there's something that, you know, is offensive to you, um, have it have it do it. Have Yeah, okay, I'll show you. It's like this. They, they put the coin in there, and then they go like this. And then they put it in like that. And it's uh, it's all metal. You'll, you'll see this. This is what I'm talking about. Go to the antique store, and you'll see this. Uh, that kind of thing, a lot of different blackface things. Find out what's at your antique store, and if there's something that is offensive, yeah, take some pictures of it. Take a picture. Take a picture of the, yeah. the, the storefront, and um, you know, share it on Facebook. Whatever you really need to do to get people aware of this, because there are so many antique stores that are really promoting racism. It's that's all there is to it. 
When I got done with this, I remembered a time when my kids were straight edge. That meant, you know, you didn't do drugs, caffeine, sex, meat, sugar, corn syrup. They're asking me weird questions like, how much corn syrup is in this, Dad? I can't have corn syrup because corn syrup is bad. Then they got out of the house, times got hard, and I saw them eat McDonald's. And my daughter gained like 200 pounds because she started eating like crazy. And what she was eating was normal people's food. The, the fact of the matter, what I heard in this, A, is ultra anti-American sentiment. An anti-American sentiment, sentiment that is so prevalent in refusefashion.org. Now, remember when we started this whole anti-Trump shit, I rolled across this site, and they're the ones you see in all these protests. Big no with an exclamation point. In the name of humanity, refuse to accept a fascist American. RefuseFashion.org. So I went to their site. Big put the end of the nightmare. November 4th, people will pour into the street nationwide, staying, staying in the streets until the Trump-Pence regime is driven from power. Donate today to make this reality. Give now to saturate all of society with this demand. This nightmare must end. The Trump-Pence regime must go November 4th. It begins. Then I went over and read their little thing. We will gather in the street, public squares and cities and towns across this country at first many thousands declaring that this whole regime is illegitimate and that we will not stop until our single demand is met. The nightmare must end. The Trump-Pence regime must go. Our protests must grow day after day and night after night. Thousands become hundreds of thousands and then millions determined to act to put a stop to the grave danger. That is the Trump-Pence regime poses to the world by demanding that this whole regime be removed from power. Our actions will reflect their values and respect for all humanity in the world we want in stark contrast to the hate and bigotry the Trump pest fascist regime. Our determination to persist and not back down will compel the whole world to take note. Every force and faction in the power structure will be forced to respond to our demands. The cracks and divisions among the power already evident today will sharpen and widen, and as we draw more and more people towards the stand-up of all this could lead to a situation where this illegitimate, illegitimate regime is moved from power. Blah, blah, blah! We refuse and accept the fascist America! They even changed their placards. No, in the name of humanity, refuse to accept a fascist America. Drive out the Trump-Pence regime. The Trump-Pence regime is a fascist regime, not insult or exaggeration. This is what it is for the future of humanity and the planet. We, the people, must drive this regime out. Millions of people are outraged. The resistance is righteous and necessary, but it's not sufficient. we got to do more. The Trump-Pence regime will repeatedly launch new highly repressive measures, eventually clamping down on all resistance or making the law. If they are not driven from power, don't normalize, don't accommodate, don't conciliate, don't collaborate. Their single unifying mission must be able to drive out the Trump-Pence regime. We must manifest the power of no. Everywhere on signs, billboards, walls, social media, and the news. No, in the name of humanity, reviews of self fashion America must resound. Every outrage commit, committed by this regime must be met with greater and greater resistance. We must organize working with our creativity and determination. And it goes on. And on. And on. And ends with, Drive out the top and pants regime! And what I hear when I go to this website is this. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. And if you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. 
For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now. Free Nelson Mandela. They freed him already. This penis party's got to go. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. This penis party's got to go. Hey, hey. These, Tom, are your cause heads. They find a world-threatening issue and stick with it for about a week. So you think I'm over the top? I mean, have you listened to that? Which I gave you as your assignment. Antique stores are racist. Cracker bales because they have rocking chairs. Racist! Everything's racist. And by the way, that's PCU for those who have never seen it. It's from the 90s. And we're ten times worse right now. This is a fad. But the worst part about it, it's a fad where young kids who want to be cool go along with the crowd, kind of like my daughter, who now has alt-right shit all over her fucking Facebook, a made-up name that Joy Ann Ray Spader Hillary Shield Reed came up with. Mm-hmm. They're all on board. It's cool to hate Trump. It's cool to bash Trump. It's good for ratings. It's good for clickbait. It's good for songs, movies, politicians, Hollywood. But it's got a worse, menacing leader. A, George Soros, the guy who pushes a lot of this shit. He's the counter to the Koch brothers and finances the Women's March, BLM, all these hateful groups. And they're taking these young kids and they're making them hate America. This very week, my grandson got detention. He's eight. He said he hated America and he hated Missouri. He got that from his mother. Broke my fucking heart. Because that's what they're pushing into these impressionable heads. Because that's the thing. It's a cool fad, and I can make jokes out of it by playing PCU. After listening to idiots come up with anything they can hate about America. But there's a sinister motive to all of this. People who really do hate America. People who want to see us become a communist state. People who do want to see everything about America go away because they don't like America. I went to It's Going Down, Beyond Bash the Fash, a critical discussion. There's no question that anti-fascism has taken up a lot of space in both IGD within the wider anarchist movement. Talk about anti-fascism has also spilled into the mainstream, with many journalists treating it, along with the tactics like the Black Bloc, as a new phenomenon that has arisen in the past few months in reaction to Trump. Many of the largest formations on the far right from military groups such as the Oath Keepers, Oath Keepers are not a bad group, but okay. Three percenters, Trump supporters of the hordes of base stickmen are not fighting for revolution against America's system and democracy, but instead of pushing to re- re-strengthen it. 
Ironically enough, it's these same groups that are also being positioned to launch an armed uprising and serve as an auxiliary force to the state itself in the face of social breakdown and unrest. Thus, are we setting ourselves up for failure by only focusing on the outwardly fascist alt-right and white national elements of the far right? And what would it mean to expand our analysis beyond them? Is the real danger of Trump and his deplorable support that they are fascist? Or that they mark a far-right poll within a whiter, settle, settler democracy? Yeah, they said that. Furthermore, how can we ensure that by nurturing and expanding our anti-fascist struggle, not just against a few set-up groups of neo-Nazis, alt-right trolls, and white nationalists, who by and large cannot operate within the co- cover of the larger far-right, we in turn also grow and expand the anarchist movement as a whole? Moreover, how can the wider anarchist movement learn and grow from the wealth of tactics that anti-fascism has popularized, expanding them outwards in all struggles that we engage in? Join us for this critical discussion between several comrades as we tackle these in-depth issues. They have a TV channel. It's Submedia. They have a podcast called Trouble, which is also about surveillance a podcast for music of the resistance which is all bad. But one of their big ones is this one. Good morning, slaves, and welcome to Trump Watch. Today at 6.55 a.m., that's early, the orange one declared on Twitter, nobody should be allowed to burn the American flag. If they do, there must be consequences. Perhaps loss of citizenship or a year in jail. Yeah, I know. That impression sucked. But anyway, we know how much the Donald loves that fucking flag. You know, you're really beautiful. So I take great pleasure in showing y'all how to properly burn one. Now, the orange one might think that peeps are just going to go out there and put all glory to the torch. But it's not as easy as it looks. You see, flag manufacturers use fire retardants to make the task at hand hard for the centers wanting to see the stars and stripes light up faster than Trump's hairspray quaff. Now, that's embarrassing. To avoid looking like a fool in front of your homies, you need a highly flammable liquid, like ladder fluid. Now, make sure you soak that piece of cloth real nice. And don't be fucking cheap. Part of the excitement is seeing some big-ass flames. Now carefully light it up and make sure not to burn your hand. And there you have it. Of course, this is for entertainment purposes only, as this act of freedom of speech could potentially cost you some jail time. Hasta la pasta, compañeras. Yeah, how to burn a flag. A lot of anti-American shit on it's going down. And the media carries its water. I'm going to show you a couple examples of the media not waking, they're starting to wake up and see who these people are. But we talked a lot about Chuck Toad, who's brought Mark Bray, a devout anarchist, on his show and basically allowed him airtime to push his narrative. It's nothing compared to CNN. Because this is a CNN contributor, Camus Bell, speaking at last week's Berkeley anarchist violent rally. 
Kamau Bell is, among other things, a host on CNN. He fronts a show on that channel called United Shades of America. It's run there for two seasons now. Bell calls himself a political provocateur, but that doesn't quite capture it. In fact, he is a supporter of Antifa. On Sunday, Bell showed up at the No Hate in the Bay rally and addressed the crowd with a bullhorn. You remember the event? It's the one where mobs and black masks attacked people they thought might have voted for Donald Trump. Bell offered his encouragement. So when the Nazis leave, as they have left, bye Nazis, bye! You have to stand up for the black people, for the brown people, for the LGBT people, for the immigrants, for everybody, every day! Keep in mind, this ironically named anti-hate rally was created to oppose the Patriot Prayer event organized by Joey Gibson. We've had Gibson on the show several times. Gibson is not a Nazi. He's not even close. He's politically moderate. And Tifa attacked him anyway. They knocked him off his feet, pepper sprayed him, smashed him in the head with a pole. Last time we talked to a man called Keith Campbell. He's not a Nazi either. He just happened to be standing at the event with a camera. Antifa thugs knocked him to the ground and began pummeling him. They might have killed him if a conscientious liberal hadn't shielded Campbell with his body. Joey Gibson and Keith Campbell are normal people. They believe in American ideas like free speech and free association. That's why Antifa attacked them, because Antifa does not believe in those things, or for that matter, in liberal democracy or capitalism. They hate this country. They want to tear it down. They are totalitarian in their beliefs and in their aims. Even if they didn't use violence, Antifa would still be illegitimate and a threat to America. None of that seems to matter to Kamau Bell. He's happy to stand up on stage and call his opponents Nazis. That's not a label you use on people you want to debate. It's a label you use to incite rage. He had to know how this would end. He did it anyway. In the days since, Bell has not apologized. On Twitter, he issued a statement saying he wants a world safe for, quote, black people, brown people, LGBT people, immigrants, refugees, Muslims, Jewish people, pagans, Unitarian Universalists, Mormons, disabled people, poor people, mentally ill people, all people of color, Sikhs, Palestinians, homeless people, Houston's people, and all people affected by the hurricane, climate change scientists, public school teachers, freedom fighters, people caught up in the criminal justice system over some BS, minimum wage work, open micers, and even white people, especially the white allies out in those Berkeley streets today, and the white half of my children. Well, that's a long list, but not everyone, as you'll notice, got equal treatment. Imagine if we spoke at a rally where right-wingers in masks tried to kill people they disagreed with, Hillary voters maybe, and then afterward we issued a statement saying we were just working on behalf of whites, Christians, gun owners, taxpayers, maybe even some black people, especially those who voted Republican. How would that go over? This show would be canceled quickly, and it would deserve to be canceled. If you're not willing to say you want a world safe for all Americans equally, you are peddling hate, and Bell is. We contacted CNN to see if they had any response to one of their anchors stoking violent extremism as a side gig. They have not responded so far. We also invited Bell on tonight to see if he'd be willing to defend what he did. He wasn't. Yep, there you go. A CNN contributor actually speaking at an Antifa rally. When called on it, today at the No Hate in the Bay rally in Berkeley, I was given the chance to speak. I wasn't expecting it. Before I knew I was holding a mic as a comedian, you think I'd be ready to hold a mic, but I'm not that kind of comedian. But I seized the mic and said I was against white supremacy, no news to anyone. And the mic began to cut out, so they gave me a bullhorn. 
I never used one before. I almost mentioned it, but immediately thought better of it. Kept going, and then I hand the mic again. At this point, I thought I should probably just wrap things up, and I scream the one point that I really wanted to make. Berkeley shouldn't just come together when the Nazis, KKK, fault right, white supremacists show up. We should be like this every day. At that point, I screamed, Berkeley should support black people, brown people, LGBT, and immigrants. And the mic cut out, and I screamed, everybody, every day. Yeah. America's bad. They're distilling it in their minds for political purposes. And their political purpose is the total restructuring of America. For those who sat out there during the eight years of Obama and listened to the alt-right, as they're called now, keep saying how much Obama hated America, his policies and practices from social medicine down to the support system that's supposed to really be a safety net, but he wanted to make it a hammock. You go, oh, you're just fucking right. Now, the fact is, that's their political motives. They want America to be a socialist state. That's what they're about. And if you speak, and as we read, and we've talked, and Bray can't even answer, it's not just hate. It's not about the KKK. The KKK was a convenient way for them to go out and crush skulls. I read you the article. That's from It's Going Down. These are the motherfuckers in charge of this shit. Where do you draw the line? Do we need to go after more people to get our in-state? And as Mark Bray wouldn't say, but you heard it's going down. It's America isn't America anymore. It's a socialist fucking state. No borders, no hate, no racist USA. Other chance, no USA. No borders, no government, no nothing. But the media can't ignore things. Here's a local reporter. It's amazing when someone in the media actually wrote something about how awful Antifa is and gave a first-hand account. Frank Somerville, anchors of 5, 6, and 10 p.m. news at KTVU in San Francisco, posted about the following experience he had with Berkeley. On his Facebook page, Somerville posted an article on how he experienced hate firsthand. And it came from these people dressed in all black at the protests in Berkeley. Ironically, they were all chanting about no hate. Yeah. Somerville described Antifa as having shields and gloves, helmets and gas masks. Of course, they sound scary or a bit intimidating. But he wanted to take it all in. Dressed only in shorts and a tank top. At one point, he took out his phone to take photos in which the following altercation happened. Full of venom, anger, hate, and intolerance. Them. Hey, no pictures or we'll take your phone. At that point, I'd already taken these shots. Me, in a calm voice. You're on public property and I can take a picture if I want to. Them. Oh, so you're a big man with the camera. Me. No, I just want to take a picture and talk with you. Them, rushing towards me. We outnumber you and we will take your camera. Me. You're not going to take my camera and you're not going to tell me what to do. Why can't we just have a respectful conversation? I then touched one of them on her hand and said, It's okay, I just want to talk to you. Her. Don't touch me! He elaborates more. He then said, I'm not trying to do anything. I just want to try to understand, have a respectful conversation. Them. We'll block your shot! Me, that's fine. All I want to do was have a conversation. Them. Now is not the time. Somerville went on to saying that the woman began screaming at him, saying they weren't interested in talking to him. 
He writes that he was stunned growing up at Berkeley March Against the War during the 60s. It's one thing to read about hate. It's another thing to be read next to it or be right next to it. In my opinion, these people dressed in black are just as hateful and intolerant as the people they're protesting against. Somerville explained that pro-Trump protesters experience on a daily basis. He just didn't realize it. Eventually came across other protesters that stood up for him, and he was touched by this gesture. Why a man would actually admit to that is beyond me. Somerville described the disappointment that other protesters were feeling that it was these people dressed in black that hijacked the protest, which he agreed. Most of the people out there in Berkeley were nonviolent. They were out there for a cause. They just wanted to come out and stand up against hate. I totally support them. But I do not support extremists, which they are, on the right or the left. Hate is hate. And I experienced it firsthand today. Yeah. Just as intolerant as the people they're protesting. And Trump supporters were the ones that protected him. There's a reason why they've hijacked it, folks. There's a reason they're doing this. It's just not because Trump. Trump's just an excuse. This is a radical alt-left organization. The Weather Underground, all those people in the 60s. And the saddest thing about it, this guy is a 60s protester. All these schools have put inside young, impressionable minds' heads to hate the government, trust nobody, and rebel. Nancy Pelosi under Bush, the what? Dissidents is the strongest form of patriotism. We've taught an entire generation in the eight years of Obama to fucking hate America. Hate them. Hate everything about America. The government. Everything we've ever done in the world. The only war that was ever good was World War II. Nothing we've ever done is good. We're pieces of shit. Our values are horrible. Yet we're the only country in the world where you can be gay and not get thrown off a fucking building. You can pretend your dick is a vajayjay and you don't get arrested. You can show your tits. You don't have to be behind a burqa. There's evil brewing in this movement, my friends. And being that we just listened to 30 minutes of two fucking millennials banter about everything under the sun is racist. The saddest thing is now it's cool to hate America. Now it's cool to be anti-American. Now it's cool to be part of Antifa. My young, impressionable, 30-year-old daughter teaching my grandkids to hate America. But they're squeakers. This is a CNN. I can't remember her fucking name. But they did a segment on Antifa last weekend. All right, Dave, what do you got? Uh, well, I have uh, not as funny of a story, but I want oh, to talk about the... Oh, I said a hard the, uh, turn. 
The Antifa violence out at Berkeley, which I think is finally, finally being covered in the mainstream media now. Yeah. If you had just been relying on the mainstream media for the past six months, you'd have no idea. But if you watch the Internet or the, that news, you do find out about this stuff. There is a borderline terrorist group. They come out with hammer and sickle flags all the time. And while everyone on the left is, is demanding that the right wing, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, repudiate Nazism mm -hmm. as if that's actually a fashion. These guys are, are taking this. Why don't we demand that the college professors who are, are really supporting what these guys stand for. It's disgusting. They're, they're anti-free speech and the nerve of them to call themselves anti-fascists as they violently shut yeah. down free speech. I'd love to see one well, left wing person. You have to hope, and I, I'm sure you do, you have to hope that Democrats do not want to be yeah. aligned with this any longer. Absolutely. And let me just say, you know, in the wake of Charlottesville, there is no moral equivalency between being a Nazi and marching through the streets and opposing Nazis. Agreed. But we've got to be totally clear that violence is not acceptable. Can I? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think there's equivalency between wait, wait. holding a hammer and sickle and attacking people and holding a swastika. But also the problem violence here is, is violence. Also, yeah. well, also one incredible. of the problems here is that Antifa, they pretty much think anyone to the right of, I don't know, like maybe Bernie Sanders is a Nazi. Yeah. So when they talk about violence against Nazis, they're really talking about violence against anyone who doesn't share their views. And as you, there's there's a name for that ideology. And, and another pernicious part of this is the masks. The masks are are a way to avoid any sort of responsibility for what they're doing. And just what a coward, Kennedy. That was her name. God dang it! It's stuck on the tip of my tongue. I couldn't get it out. But Kennedy, MTV host, she covers it. She's a coolie. The year Greg Gutfeld, he's been going crazy over this shit, and he's uh actually a libertarian so has tucker carlson another libertarian time magazine as i said they did an article why the all left's a problem donald trump piece of shit blah 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 blah, blah. claiming there's no alt left because no one calls them alt left ignores the long colorful history of political nicknaming and claiming there is no alt-left because alt-leftists hate neo-Nazis mistakes to find the alt-modifier as being about racism, not fanaticism. With a hundred goons from the left having attacked peaceful demonstrators from the right, and recently as this Sunday afternoon in Berkeley, we must stop viewing the growing epidemic of political brutality through myopic partisan lenses. The real question remains, is the alt-left a useful term? You can repudiate racism unequivocally, yet still recognize an alt-left in America today. The term emphasizes a new breed of extremists, virtual, vitriolic, and violent, without getting tangled in the rights or wrong of being anti-Trump against police violence or bigoted. Similarly, in the 30s and 40s, when Americans condemned communism Nazism for being totalitarian, they weren't accusing communists of murdering Jews like the Nazis did. Moreover, believing that in order to exist, the alt-left must call itself alt-left neuters of power political nicknaming. Blah, blah, blah. Although the label alt-right originated with alt-rightists, Hillary Clinton maintained mainstream use of the term in a sweeping attack a year ago. Clinton condemned Trump as representing the paranoid fringe in our political st steeped in racial resentment. Introducing an unfamiliar term, she explained alt-right in short for alternative right. She failed to connect the growing... Similarity with the word alt to the computer keyboard. She quoted the Wall Street Journal description of these loosely organized movements, mostly online, that reject mainstream conservatism, promote nationalism, and view immigration and multiculturalism as a threat to white identity. The alt-left is also a paranoid fringe, steeped in resentment, and some of the resentment is racial, although moral, in that it is resisting racism. 
It too is loosely organized, mostly online, wallowing as the alt-right does in internet fuel hysteria and harshness. It too rejects mainstream ideology in the case, liberalism, and in, in its broader than and it is broader than Antifa, the violent anti-fascist fringe that combats neo-Nazis and KKK. The alt-left designation helps explain the Democrats' emerging civil war with extremists assailing centrist liberalism and turn the word neoliberal into one of the overused epitaphs. It exposes the postmodern fanatics, bullies who violate liberal principles by shutting up speakers they dislike. Brats who write in Berkeley, Portland, Oakland, and elsewhere when they don't get their way. Hypocrites who denounce their opponents unreason and violent, yet can't see their own. And brutes who whip each other into vulgar frenzies on the internet. The alt-left is populated by ideologues who reject the American value of compromise. They see a world of conspiracy theories, imagined enemies, and exaggerated slights. Ironically, they echo the far-right rivals by demonizing Wall Street, the big banks, mainstream media, and frequently Jews or Zionists. Both far-right and far-left radicals represent a politics of backlash and lashing out, not consensus-building or reaching out. Neither left nor right has a monopoly on virtue or violence. The alt-left continues the violence of the Weathermen, the Black Panthers in the 1970s, and the hooliganism of the Battles of Seattle WTO protests in 99. And like the alt-right, Left-wing radicals are finding ideological allies worldwide, particularly among Jeremy Corbyn's laboratories. The British leftist also prefers dictating the outcomes they seek instead of trusting democratic process to work. Yes, calling radicals the alt-left is mischievous, tarring those fanatics with the ideological rival's brush. But as communist and fascist show, the political world is round. If you go too far left or right, you meet in the anti-democratic land of intolerance and violence. That's Time Magazine. That's not Breibart. That's not the Daily Caller. That's not faux news, Patrick. They've gone too far. They're being financed by George Soros. They brainwashed a generation of kids thanks to Obama with anti-democratic government ideals. And though Mark Bray won't say it, Meet the Press won't force him to say it, neither will any other fucking article that I can find, their whole shtick is destroy America. Destroy America as it is and install a socialist, no barter, anarchist government. That's their intent. So while Chuck Toad, CNN employees, Camus Bell, who speaks at it, and the media, most likely CNN and MSDNC, fail to show the violence and cover it up, it's leaking out, my friends. Nancy Pelosi was finally forced by a reporter to say something about it. Finally, forced to say something, CNN 
let Kennedy cover it, and Time Magazine put out an article. More will come, my friends, because they are the real violent ones. Nazis are pieces of shit. White supremacists are pieces of fucking shit. But as my idol John Gibson said, back in the day, the way you handled those pieces of shit is you fucking ignored them, and they go away. A hundred idiots with tiki torches didn't hurt anyone. They looked like racist pieces of shit. But the battalions of Antifa attacking them all over the place without drawing lines, thus Trump supporters, anybody in a mega hat, fucking reporters getting beaten. Yeah. That's the Antifa. And that is some scary shit. I know I've been covering it a lot, but you gotta hear it, folks. Do your own research. Go to itsgoingdown.org. Go to refusefashion.org. Go to a myriad of alt-left sites. Read Slate, The Atlantic, WAPO, that gives Bray a platform. New York Times, MSDNC and CNN. See what they're doing. They're supporting these people. They know nothing about them. More likely they know everything about them. And they too hate America. But in the age of hating Trump, anything goes. Any anti-Trump organization is my friend. More on this and shows to come. We're going to close on a couple of funny sound bites. The first one I had is Andrew Dice Clay. And the other one, this is from Vox. Couldn't find a place to fit it in this time. This is Vox explaining white people. <laughs> this man probably owns more leather jackets than anybody in the world. Andrew Dice Clay. ladies and good evening gents I'd like to welcome you to this event my name is Dice I'm here to say I was born in Brooklyn Sheepshead Bay come a long way to make you smile I'm gonna do it different gonna do it Dice style well Miss Muppet sat on a tuffet eating her curds and whey one came a spidey sat down beside he said hey What's in the ball, bitch? Jack and Jill went up the hill, both with a buck and a quarter. Jill came down with 250. Little boy blue. He needed the money. Well, you're a pretty good crowd. You seem to know those. So I'll give you a few new poems. rock by baby on the treetop. Your mother's a whore. I ain't your pop. 
Spratt could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean. So Jack ignored the flappy tits and licked the race all clean. Oh! Oh, yeah. I dig this crowd. We got some hot chicks right up front, eh? What's your name, honey? Any idea? I dig chicks. I dig them. A little too thin. I dig it, though, you know? I hate these chicks you're in bed with and they start complaining. Oh, my hip hurts. That's why I like these 600-pounders, you know? I like to know I'm banging a chick, and you know a chick is good to bang when she's bigger than the bed you're on. Oh, yeah. It's unfriggin' believable. I met this chick last week, wheeled her back to my apartment, got her in bed, started brushing the hair on her back. Braid it, spike it, get her all excited, and then you want to talk breasts? Let me tell you something. I grabbed onto a set of tits that you don't know where the tits begin and the belly ends. I mean, it's like one big lop shit. All right, all right. You're a great crowd, and I'm glad to be here. Because let me just say one thing. This show is great because you people are doers, you're movers, you make things happen. And this next act coming to stage, personal friend of mine and a tremendous talent, ladies and gentlemen, the last Puritan, Cher. Let's talk about white people. Since the Mayflower, it's been much better to be white in the U.S. than anything else. But whiteness is tricky. Not all white people were created equal. White people with power have had to reconstruct the definition of whiteness over time. And luckily they can do that because whiteness is just something made up and used as a tool to preserve power. For instance, in the 17th century, indentured servants and slaves in Virginia joined together to fight against the ruling class in Bacon's Rebellion. At that time, poor white and black people were more or less considered and treated the same, which was badly. They ended up losing that battle, but the elites realized just how dangerous unity was among the lower classes. They decided it was better to divide them, allowing poor white people to identify with the economic elites based on race, rather than with black people over class issues. White indentured servants were given the rights to property and to own guns, and they were charged with policing the plantations. This, along with establishing harsh slave codes, divided the classes along racial lines. Virginia was the first state to establish a comprehensive slave code, and it served as a model for other states in the following years. This reinforced this idea of an other, a natural enemy to whites who were made to believe their whiteness was the norm and everyone else was someone to be suspicious of. They hate white people because white people are successful and they're not. It's this idea that white is right and other cultures are inherently wrong that's carried through our nation's history throughout waves of immigration in the late 19th and early 20th century until today. What, where did any other subgroup of people contribute more to civilization? Than white people? Than, than Western civilization itself that's rooted in Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and the United States of America. Okay. 
But there was a time when Irish, Italians, Jews, Eastern Europeans, they all weren't considered white. In fact, the Irish were commonly compared to blacks when they first came to the U.S. and even lived and worked side by side with each other. But you had to earn your white card and it wasn't easy. Over time, the Irish, along with Germans, Italians, and other Europeans have been folded into this idea of whiteness, which is super helpful since the Naturalization Act of 1790 restricted naturalization to free white persons. When huge numbers of immigrants were coming to the U.S. at the turn of the 20th century, resources and jobs were scarce. European immigrants, like many of the Irish, locked down the cheapest and most menial jobs. They rose up by the time labor unions were forming and managed to keep black workers from joining. They also actively fought against the abolitionist movement. Now, obviously, there were exceptions to the rule, and no one label can describe an entire group of people. But for the most part, each group was willing to throw other groups under the bus to climb the social ladder. So as America kept expanding, the definition of whiteness had to expand. And as a card-carrying white person, you get all the privileges it entails, from better employment opportunities, access to higher education, and, you know, avoiding that pesky police brutality thing. Donald Trump became the Republican nominee for president based largely on a platform of keeping out Mexicans and Muslims. And instead of the poor and working class uniting, racial tension and xenophobia distract us from a very real division. Money, the haves and the have-nots, and the policies that strengthen the security of the 1%. But as the country becomes browner and browner, the idea that white folks are naturally superior to non-white folks is going to sound increasingly ridiculous. Andrew Dice Clay, a massive sexist. People hate him. I thought that shit was funny. He's got a show on Showtime called Dice. Very humorous. For anybody who's middle-aged like me, 50, getting bald, fat, can't whoop anybody's ass anymore because your back's destroyed, this show's for you. It's very hilarious. It's really funny. And that last soundbite, I play it for funny because it goes along with what we're talking about, about the Antifa. If you get people to hate themselves and believe nothing we ever did in America was ever good, it's all bad, you have something that's actually called white privilege, even though you're still flipping burgers at Burger King and you're living in your parents' basement eating Cheetos as you go to itsgoingdown.org. Yeah. It's all brainwashing. You get people to hate themselves, you make them to grab new ideas. And I hate going back to my personal story, but that's what's happened to my, my daughter. She's gone into the world of, her life sucks, people online influence her, she picks up anti-American ideals, hates America, wants to go live in fucking Japan. She actually knew anything about Japan, they're more traditionalists than us, they're not into the whole social bullcrap that we are, and they don't hate themselves. They got nuked. That absolved them of any hate for themselves. And their family structure is nothing like what the left is propagating. But that's the hypocrisy in this all. If you, you know, if I could sum up this segment in one little quip, it would be antiquing is racist. Yeah. Seriously. What the fuck? So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Make sure you're checking out the Flyover Politic page 
webpage, I guess I should say correctly, at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com, FOPPodcast.com. It's a theme. There you will see links to the feed for the show, links to our Facebook page, and our email. You will also see links to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. I'm going to be blogging today and putting something out. Next podcast will be Wednesday, 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 the 5th of September, Year of Our Lord 2017. Going to take a break, do some fun shit. Got to give a shout out to my Oregon Ducks who got off the schneid to play Jim's College of the Valley. Don't give a shit, but they won 77-21. to 21. New rollout of the New Ducks without their stupid two-point conversions. Rapid-paced bullcrap. Just run the ball down people's throats with Willie Taggart. Gotta love that. By the time this next pod gets going, we'll be talking Packer, 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 Because we're going to play the Seahawks right off, so that'll be very interesting. Please enjoy your Labor Day weekend with your family and friends. Disconnect. Give people your actual time, not your interrupted by your phone beeping time. And tune back in Wednesday for another exciting episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. As always, friends, thanks for listening. Let the bodies hit the floor.